So many of us are here to serve this awakening, which is about love. You see, a lot of people are fighting with the, the deep state and the Trumpian thing, and everybody's fighting, and who's right and who's wrong. And that's a, a game for fools. Because if you're a spiritual warrior, it's about fighting for the light within you, to conquer your own hatred, your own shadow, your own fear, and come into your power of divine trust and emanate your love and your light and do the best you can to be of service. And if people are doing that, no matter what side you choose, right or left, we got to walk in the middle of that, not be extreme. And peace, transformation through peace. Uh, hate can't conquer ignorance and hate, only love can conquer it. So we have to come to that middle point, no matter what you believe, because people are invested in either side, and I think it's foolish, but holding a power of uh, uh, prayerful intent that you are, you know, that you're walking in balance with it. Welcome to a Broader Lands podcast. Rogelio Rodriguez, welcome to Broader Lands podcast. I appreciate you coming on. Thank you. You know what I love about you is you combined a lot of the ancient teachings and wisdom from around the world um, and in religion and spiritual teachings. And uh, I think that's profound. That's something I did on my own awakening. And you've been doing it a lot longer than I have. And uh, so looking up and, and looking how you uh, blended all that stuff in gives me some good confirmation uh, from an older brother. So I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I wanted to, uh, I wanted you to work uh, walk us into the uh, your early life and how you all you got on got into all of this, if you don't mind. Sure. Um, I was born in the Midwest in the state of Iowa. My uh, grandparents came out of Mexico, and um, you know. I didn't have a real strong connection with Mexico, although I found that in the lineage that my family comes out of is a Purapecha around central Mexico, and those people, they speak a Quechua language. So I have ancestry that goes back like that. So I grew up in an American, and um, you know, my parents didn't want to speak Spanish with us. They didn't want us to have any kind of discrimination. They wanted us to uh, assimilate, you know. So... Um, as a young boy, I was I was sensitive to where I thought like I wanted to be a priest, but as I had to become a teenager, I realized that I was like a young and wild, uh, you know, renegade, my, kind of my Native American spirit, and I, I didn't really feel like I fit into all the traditional, conventional status quo reality. I was like I just didn't want to be confined or defined by that. And when I was a teenager, everybody was starting to smoke marijuana and do psychedelics. I discovered right away that I was way more sensitive, and that pushed me into some experiences where I had to face my death. I had to face a deep, like a primal fear of the unknown, and it pushed me to have to turn to the Great Spirit, to Great Spirit God. In other words, nothing makes you spiritual than thinking you're going to die, thinking you're going to lose your mind. It's too much. And, uh, and you know, a lot of people today, they, uh, they won't smoke anything or they, they have anxiety attacks. Well, I never had anxiety attacks before until I had the, got high and said, Oh my gosh, like, you know, why am I dying? What's, what's going on with that? And, um, I had different experiences like Kundalini awakening and, uh, um, uh, uh some really, profound things that happened that I didn't really have the answers for at the time. And But I had, I had a number of mystical experiences and uh, had visitations by certain spiritual presences. And uh, I saw, experienced both the, the beautiful good and I also experienced the so-called the shadow aspect of it. So I seen both sides. And then uh, at 21 is when I had my awakening when the teacher who spoke into my mind told me it's time for me to wake up remember and learn. And then I began a very strong quest to discover what is the what is the truth? What is what's real? And I have searched, I searched for teachings from all over all traditions. Because, you know, we only have only given so much information and uh, 
we don't fully understand the the depths of where we're coming from, the wisdom of the of our ancient past and the modern. So we like a lot of our roots have been cut from that level. And so I started trying to discover what that was about, and and I um, and the more I learned, the more I became frustrated because <clears throat> learning wasn't enough, thinking was not enough. I wanted to have a direct experience, and as a teenager, I had some direct experiences that I was being pushed by these the power to transcend myself and experience the the the, uh, the higher power of the spirit. And I remember I I went on a I read somewhere it says the best thing you can do is go on a vision quest and cry for three nights for vision. And so three nights in a row, I was a young man in college. I was in Marin County, California, and uh, I I cried three nights for about an hour each night. That I just wanted to be woke up and to teach me and to show me. I wanted to be initiated into the into the higher self. And after three nights of crying. Uh, all the frustration and all the obsession that I had trying to find it, like that I was powerless to do, I had to surrender up all my desire and, and give up to Christ and call for help that I wanted to be wakened up. And then uh, on the fourth day, <clears throat> coming up from college, every, every day I'd come home and cry to the Spirit. And then the fourth day I was empty and free, and I felt happy because I cried up all my frustration. And... Uh, uh, I went into a spontaneous uh, mystical experience, uh, and I, um, um, <clears throat> I, I saw, um, I sat back on my bed and I began to see into the future, and uh, I saw me in the future, and I saw the future interact with my present moment, and it was a, uh, it was quite, a, quite a interesting to, to be here and see me in the future and go back and forth between the future. And then now, and the people that I knew that came into my space, and it was uh, a little bit overwhelming because a certain person was very abrupt with their energy and it knocked me off balance. And so I began to uh, get caught between the two, between the two being here and there. And we call that in shamanism here and here. I found myself fluctuating between that and it was uncomfortable, so I pulled myself out of that trance. Uh, but the next day, I had again another spontaneous vision where. Uh, um, well, I, I got it backwards. And really, the first time was my head began to hum, and a blue light came out of my forehead. It made a big blue spiral in the room. And then a white cloud came in through the wall, emerged with the blue, and went back into my mind's eye. That lasted about 10 minutes. And uh, then the next day, then I saw the white cloud, and then I saw having a vision through that. And then I was bilocating into the future back and forth. And, and uh, after those experiences... Is I need to drop out of school. I don't have no more desire to have a career or to have an education or whatever. I need to, I, I'm obsessed with wanting to know the truth. So I need to go somewhere to find myself. And I offer my prayers, Spirit, show me, show me where I can go and live to find myself. And then within a week, I had a friend I hadn't seen for a while said, Hey, I'm in Hawaii on Maui and come over. I got a place you can stay and, you know, come up and see what we can do. So I thought, okay, I'll, I'm going to Maui. And so the week before I'm ready to leave, I saw in the Berkeley, California, I was living in Marin County, uh, a renowned medicine man named Rolling Thunder was giving a talk. And I'd read a book about him, and the guy that wrote about him was very, very impressed by the by the power of who he was. And so I thought, I hope I can talk my friends in and go see him before I go to Hawaii. I already put my car on the boat, and I had my ticket and ready to go like the next Wednesday. This is Friday night. So he gives his talk and maybe the 50 people there. And uh, then he says, uh, you, you, and you, come over here and talk to me before you go. And especially with me, he wanted me to come and train with him. And uh, that was kind of like a, a dream, you know, to have an elder teach me. And he said, I got land in, in Nevada, uh, desert survival, vision quest, sweat lodge, plant medicines. You know, very powerful psychic, but very powerful, uh, strict elder. Very strict. You know, can see how strong he was, strong-willed he was. And I probably needed that, uh, wanted that. But at the same time, in my mind, I'm going, like, oh, my God, I, I got my car on the boat to Hawaii. I got my ticket to Hawaii. So in my mind, I'm thinking, like, 
I wanted to train with him, but that's going to be really hard work in the desert. In, in Like a vision quest is not an easy thing. And the sweat lodges, the, the desert survival, that's not an easy thing. The warrior training. I was thinking that or Hawaii palm trees and beaches and girls, uh, you know, hula girls. And it's like, I thought, you know, I already got my ticket to Hawaii. So he looks at me and he goes like, okay, you're not going to come. But uh, later you're going to walk the red road. I hadn't started walking the red road yet. In college, I was the head of a Native American student organization, Native Nations. Did a lot with uh, raising funds for local cult, for local tribes and Back at that time, there was uh, Native people trying to get their uh, uh, religious freedom, you know, this kind of thing, because of the long, the longest walk it was a walk from Alcatraz over to Washington, D.C. This is like 1977, 78, 70, 78 maybe. Some of the guys that were working with me, they were on the walk. They were very much involved. So I was kind of a political activist. I wasn't into the spiritual part of it. And... Um, so when I dropped out of college, went to Maui, went over to Maui, and uh, Maui was really, really powerful for me to find myself and to be with nature, being, uh, being, uh, you know, paradise. It was, it was really good to me. Maui was Hawaii, but I had a UFO encounter over there, and that was not a part of my belief system at the time. So that was an eye opener, and I had contact from the star people. Uh, a UFO hovered over my head. I was visiting some friends and. They were inside smoking some Maui Wowie, and when I hit that, my crown chakra off. I'm like, I want to go outside, and you know, my, I'm too open to be in this house. I want to be out. And whenever I would get like that, I don't get high very often, but when I do, do it, it opens my soul up and makes me want to pray. And it starts bringing up my soul nature. And so I went outside, I was praying under the stars, like, you know, how wondrous this, the night sky was. And here I am in Hawaii, and it just, it was so pitch black that you couldn't see anywhere. But the stars were so brilliant. And then a UFO came right down, right down over my head. And the UFO was um, maybe like 30 yards over me. It was humming. It was shimmering bright like a lightning bolt. And, uh, and uh, my friends came out of the house. They were, hell yeah, it was a UFO. They turned the porch light on, came out, and uh, it said it disappeared. But a week later, I had an encounter with them in my bed laying there. Three nights in a row, my head was ringing, high-pitched E sound. And um, on the third night, I asked my girlfriend, hey, you hear that ringing sound? She was like, I hear it too. And on the third night, uh, my medulla began to hum in the back of my head, began to hum, and my crown chakra opened up, and they beamed energy in my body. And it was these women, and they said, just relax and go with it. We are balancing your energy. They put this bliss into my body. So um, three years later, I came to Sedona, 1987. And, uh, you know, I had dropped out of college. I didn't really have any skills. How am I going to make a living? Where do I find my place in the world? What, are, what am I supposed to be doing with my life? And so my first day here, I'm in a meditation. And a flame beams, taps me on the forehead, opens up my mind's eye. And my mind, they begin to speak to me telepathically, the same women. And they said to me, this is where you come and do your work. You'll be a spiritual guide. There'll be thousands and thousands of people coming, looking for answers. So answer their questions. Speak of love and inspiration. They said there's going to be a great awakening coming. It's been prophesied by the ancient cultures. And uh, they told me more about the higher mind, the quantum mind, our quantum cultures, our mind create a reality, which will master our minds. But they said the earth is going to go through a reset or like a, changes are coming with the earth. Before these great changes come, earth changes, then we'll have this awakening take place. So like, I keep my prayer there like you know, we can have like a, some kind of a smooth transition to a new time. You know, uh, you talk a lot about Edgar Casey, And um, I, know, I know he said something about um, sound will be the medicine of the future. Now, when you heard that sound of that UFO, did you feel any healing take place or later down the line? Um, when they put the energy in my body, there was no sound at that time. It was just pure blip in my body. But I have at times had where they were working with me energetically, hear the sound of like chimes, tones, healing tones. So that kind of inspired me to when I start using crystal bowls and I do sound healing. 
to bring in tones like that. And uh, uh, sound is a very important part, you know, like for helping people meditate and calm and relax. And today you're going to find like on YouTube, a lot of people are putting out frequencies of 432 or 528 or all these different uh, hertz frequencies of uh, with like a meditative vibration on it. Some of them are, are combining uh, two different tones, left and right, and call, call binaural beats, which it's like a, one beat is coming on one side, another beat is the other side, and then in the center of your brain it converges and makes like a, a shift, a, a merging of the two sounds. So binaural beats is a big one with headphones on like that. But uh, some of that goes, it sounds like beep, 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 beep. It's boring to me. So I, I like when I've heard music where it's like a, it's a smooth, like a uh, tones, and then those beats are disguised in in those. And that's, I think that's some of the best for brain activation type of things. You know, it's interesting, uh, and thank you for that. Um, you talked about the star people, and you find that story kind of around the world in the indigenous people's stories the star people, even in the, uh, in the, from even in America, um, are, are those uh, aliens or other beings? Well, you know, the stars themselves are people, the stars themselves, those are conscious entities. The way our sun is a conscious entity, the way our earth mother is a conscious entity. So our star relatives, those are consciousnesses that we are a part of. We're a part of this solar system. We may have come from other star systems, and so on some levels, we can say that we are transcendent, we are spiritual consciousness, but then have come down into the physical to be physically embodied. And so different, you know, maybe uh, in our, like, say, mythological past, the gods, the gods came down uh, in physical bodies. If you've seen any story about the Anunnaki, you see that they were fighting, the factions were fighting with each other. And there was power struggles going, taking place on the world. So that's kind of like passed down to modern times where people are still fighting. And you got the war god and the god of love. And you see all of our cultures have this conflict between the war god and the god of love. War god is like conquering. And you see that in Mexico, the war god. And then, you know, we're fighting for, to appease the gods and have to sacrifice people for, Otherwise, there's going to be a cataclysm. We don't want to have a cataclysm. We've got to feed the gods and this kind of thing, this kind of belief system. So this is kind of a aspect of uh, the ancient mythological stories that these god human beings, most of them are human beings, I'd say. Some people try to say, oh, they're reptilian, but they said they made us in their image. So that means that they are human looking. And uh, the uh, they put their DNA into the primitive human beings and of modern human beings. So around the world, they talk about these different uh, at, attempts to create a human beings, and they failed in some of those. They didn't were not successful until they got the right combination of their DNA to the human uh, Earth man's DNA and created the modern the modern human. And the human beings had to respect them and worship them and pay them homage. And those gods were kind of egocentric. That's why when somebody like a Buddha came into his enlightenment. He, they ask people, they ask, are you a god? And he goes, no, I'm awakened. And the gods, you know, uh, made connection with him and said, well, son of man, become a god. You know, you're a god with us. But he says, no, I'm going to transcend the ego mind. And he went to the highest level and connected with the, the universe of the wisdom, uh, the wisdom of the universe, the primordial wisdom nature. He connected with the great spirit god. And he was a, he was a conduit for that. And somebody like a Jesus is like that. So in Mexico, it was Quetzalcoatl. He was, he was like the great teacher and he was more compassionate. Human beings were, some of those gods were not and, and they were, they treated human beings like slaves and servants. And that's why human beings didn't obey. And that's why we took the wrath of God and the whole kind of, this kind of craziness with religion. I, I always want to know why, why this and why that? And what's, I always had a lot of questions. So I was trying to find those answers. And, and then the greatest answer, because, you can know a lot, but the greatest answer is the power of love. And love is really the, really the love is the key to eternity. Because we can know a lot, but the more you know, the more you can go crazy. You know, until you find your soul through love. Heal your soul through love. 
Yeah, um, I appreciate everything you're saying. It's like I'm talking to uh, my big brother because um, I've looked a lot into that, especially with the Sumerian tablets. You explained exactly what they say in the Sumerian tablets about these uh, Anunnaki beings and trying to connect them with Mesoamerica, Mesopotamia. Uh, I think it's fascinating. And, um, you know, you talked about uh, Quetzalcoatl and just, um, you know, the Totec, you you got into the Totec uh, teachings and wisdom. You were drawn to that. How'd you get into that? Most people don't even know. The only time they hear about Totec is with Don Miguel Ruiz. Yeah. um, The, um, you know, being that my ancestors come from Mexico, and we always wanted to find that root, even though we're more than just our cultural root. We're spiritual. It transcends that. But starting from that place, I wanted to find my roots there. And um, when I was, uh, uh, before I, as I was having my awakening, I read uh, Carlos Castaneda's book, uh, uh, um, Yaki Way of Knowledge. And I saw some information there that was helpful to me. Uh, I saw some information like, okay, I, there's some good stuff in here. But there's always this kind of a tinge of fear and uh, danger, you know. And so that I didn't understand. So I looked at that and said, okay, this is interesting, but it's not speaking to me. I'm looking for love. I'm looking for higher wisdom, connection to the divine, not uh, this kind of uh, crazy quest he was on. I, I wanted to find more. And so I, as, through the years of having my awakening, I came to Sedona and I began to become a guide here. And probably like 1989 or 1990, uh, I was in one of the metaphysical bookstores and I saw a book. It's called The Power of Silence. Is by Carlos Castaneda, who was writing about his training with Don Juan Matus, the Toltec wisdom. And... Um, as I began to see that, the power of silence, that really touched me because I had, when the elder, Roy Thunder, had told me that I would awaken on the Red Road, Red Road is a Native American shamanism. Uh, within the first year I got to Sedona, I mean, had certain visions, and I had uh, visitations, first of my dream state and then my waking state, by these powerful uh, spirit guardians who had the appearance of the Red Rock Mountains, Native American faces with red rock, red rock mountains, pinnacles that were uh, Native American elders looking like grandfathers. And I first encountered them in my dream time where I found myself out, and I'm kind of new in Sedona, so maybe within a half a year I was being here. I, I didn't know every place and I didn't know, there's still a lot of new stuff for me. And uh, I, um, I found myself wide awake in a dream. And, where, how did I get out here? Where am I? Like I'm wide awake in a dream. Usually you don't dream so vividly aware or you're wide awake. And, uh, and so I've had a number of experiences like that where I found myself wide awake. And I'm looking around and I feel this presence over my left shoulder. And I turn around and there are standing these red rock formations that are Native American faces, uh, these elder faces. And when I looked at them, my head bounced off because I could not look upon them. Their, their frequency was too powerful for my gaze. So I looked, my head bounced off, and immediately had blinders on the side of my eyes to protect my mind because it was too powerful for my mind. And it would intimidate me very much. Uh, when I was a young man in Hawaii, young mystic on Maui, my mantra was, Gate, Gate, Perugate, Perusam Gate, Borisoha, beyond this appearance that we see, beyond that which is beyond this, beyond the gods, beyond, 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 back to the great mystery. To thee I bow, to the great mystery. So these beings were coming out of the great mystery. Their presence was coming out of that, that, the power of the void. And uh, I mean, it jolted me and uh, intimidated me. So instead of like, I'm ready for this great beyond, beyond, it's like, no, it's too big for me. I want to mind my own business. I don't want to, I don't want to engage with this. I want to stay in my little life. I just want to be little me. I don't want to do with this. Because I was like very intimidated because it was so powerful. And with my blinders on, I'm going to get over here by this tree. If I can get 10 feet of this tree, I'll take a running. I'll pretend I didn't see them and sneak away. 
And so I, as I began to try to sneak away, I began to bubble up with a, a cosmic bliss that came up inside me. And it began to overwhelm me with so much bliss. If you can imagine bliss, that was almost going to blow me away because it was too much bliss. I go, like, oh, what's going on? I'm, I'm, I'm blissing out. Oh, I know. I, I'm trying to get away from those guys. I don't want to talk to them because they intimidate me. And so I said, oh, if I get through that tree, I'm going to run. As soon as I got there to run, they stopped me like a force field stopped me. So I, I looked at them and I said to them, why me? Why are you looking at me? And they didn't speak. They just looked at me, and their eyes were black holes going into the mystery. And they emanated a horizontal line came from the a horizontal line came towards me. This line came towards me. I watched it coming. I was in like a deep, silent mind. I was just observing. I wasn't thinking, just observing. And the line, and when it hit me, it was like the, a wave of the ocean. And when I got to Maui, my first time out at a, at a certain beach, I was swimming. The waves were kind of big and choppy. Baldwin Beach on Maui. I was walking out of the out of the ocean and maybe like three feet deep, and all of a sudden the water pulled away from me. And down to my ankles, I looked up, and a big wave came and tumbled me. And that big wave tumbled and crashed and thundered as it crashed over me. Well, they hit me with a gravity wave, and it, and it came over me. And well, it hit me and came over me and tumbled me, and it thundered like an ocean wave. It thundered, but it was silence. If you can imagine thundering silence, that was their teaching to me. Their teaching was silence. So I came up from that wave and I said to them again, Why me? Why are you looking at me? And they sent another line, a horizontal wave at me, and it hit me again, tumbled me again, and then I woke up in my bed. And I thought, Oh my God, I got. What do, I, what do I do with that? What does this mean? You know, what I have no answers for this. So for me, especially when I'm having these times of like activations like this, one week at a time, between things would happen to me. So a week later, I'm driving down the road and I see about ten miles in the distance this rock formation it looks like Easter Island heads. And I saw from the highway, and I saw that my body being to vibrate. And I'm like, what's going on? My body's vibrating. I look down, I see my chakras. I see. Heart chakra, it's about, it's about that big. Solar plexus, and then to the left of the solar plexus, a smaller chakra, three chakras I saw. And um, I looked back up the mountain, and the mountain came off, the appearance came off the mountain in front of my car, to the left of my car, I'm driving on the highway to the left of center. Those faces were there, those Native American faces again. And they're looking at me, and then I look back at, over at the formation, 10 miles away, and I saw me there in the dream. And like here and here, I'm two places like uh, I experienced before being in two places at once. So I'm here and I see me way down there, 10 miles away, little tiny me, and then I'm there. And I'm no longer in the car. And, uh, and, then there, and, there, and then I'm reliving, why are you looking at me? Why are you looking at me? And, and then I'm back in my car trying to drive, and they're to the left looking at me about 30 yards in front. And I see again 10 miles to the right, way down there, there I am, and I bilocate again. So I'm driving down the highway bilocating like that. And um, saying, why me? Why are you looking at me? I, I drove the highway, and I measured the time, how long that could have lasted. And I see it, was, it could last 30 seconds. So 30 seconds, but it was time had stopped. And to be bilocating back and forth while driving a car. Here and back, uh, back um, in the dream a week before, the vision a week before. So I saw that book, The Power of Silence. I said, Oh my God, The Power of Silence. That was what I experienced was the power of silence. It was this profound, profound silence that day. It was the wave of that, that wave, that gravity wave. So people said, Well, did they? Tell you anything? What did they tell you? I said, those beings are beyond telling you anything. If they're going to tell you something, you know, it's not meant for you because they, they teach with silence. Because in silence, everything is known. Silence contains everything. And you can be in silence and know. And this is how uh, I some of my encounters with the star people, when they communicate with me, they did it with silence. They didn't speak to me. They just, I just knew. And same with uh, that first year I was here. Some Native American people came to me in my dream time. 
not these spirit powers, but Native American people, males, like warriors, and they came to me and they were very urgent. They were adamant. They were like, they didn't speak to me, but they told me with silence. They told me, do the prayers, do the psalms, do the ceremonies, do them the right way. Do it the right way. And I was kind of like, you know, caught me off guard that here I'm dreaming and these Native people are telling me, do it, do it, you know, because they're upset because I think they see Sedona and this is their homelands and they see Sedona overrun by touristy people who've got no connection with the earth or, or sacredness. Where the Native people, that was, they were passionately sacred with their connection to the land like this, to the to the livingness of great spirit coming through the sacred land and the living circle of life. So uh, they're coming at me like that without speaking to me. It was silence he were telling me. And so I said back to them, hey, I didn't grow up with that. I kind of pushed back. I didn't grow up with that. You know, you, somebody's got to teach me. And uh, and then about a, a year or two, some of the Native American medicine people start coming to town teaching and sharing and uh, and doing sweat lodges and introducing us to uh, how they did their ceremonies. And I'd already been working for probably a year or two doing my spiritual tours here. Sedona is known as a vortex place. So uh, I, I was already doing my work as a vortex guide, a spiritual guide. And, and when they came to teach us, I realized I was already doing basically what they were showing us at the their way, you know. I said, okay, I've already, I'm kind of already a natural with that. So uh, I saw that book, The Power of Silence. So I thought, wow, let me get that book. And I started reading. I said, oh, my God, it's all right there. It's like the nuts and bolts of consciousness is right there. It's The simplicity of it is that energy is consciousness. So you need energy to be awake. You need energy to be happy. You need energy to be creative. You need energy to master your life. And we've only got so much energy, and then our life is over. You've only got so much energy in a day, and then your day is over. And if you don't get enough rest, if you don't recharge, then you're burned out and you're living half alive. You're not, your energy is stuck in a rut because you don't, you're not accessing your full potential. And due to our lifestyles, etc., we're, we only access a certain amount of our energy, and a lot of it is unaccessible to the average human being. And so we're stuck, we're stuck uh, getting stagnant with what we do have. And so in, in the, like the Toltec wisdom, was teaching that they had to break out of this box. It's kind of like for us modern human beings, I need to go on a vision quest. I need to go on a vacation to someplace exotic. I need to go and connect and renew my creativity and connect with my spirit. So it was all about breaking out of the box of our conditional reality. So breaking out of the box opened us up to possibilities, gather energy, recharge, and regenerate, rejuvenate, and then quiet the mind. And then as you quiet the mind, then your dream mind begin to awaken. You can begin to perceive more from an intuitive level. And ultimately, he taught about shifting the assemblage point. The assemblage point is like in your energy field, you're, this is a Don Juan's teachings to Carlos. He was teaching him these things. Carlos was kind of bumbling through it because he was totally rational, confused it, because Don Juan was teaching a very powerful method of superconductivity. For a human being to handle that kind of force, you have to be, you have to have a very strong anchored, grounded energy body. And so um, shifting the assemblage point, usually we do that with our breathing deep and slow and calm ourselves down, center ourselves, uh, our breath. But it's usually, it's usually mastering your intent, the power of your, your mind, your intent, your willpower. And so your intent and your breath, you harness your energy, you quiet your mind, and then you can begin to experience so like a greater capacity of who you are. And um, so studying his book, he was talking some interesting stories in there, and his teacher's stories and his teacher's stories and their lineage. And, and what I saw was that uh, going back in time, 
those people adapted their Toltec wisdom, but in learning how to become, how to stop the mind, gather personal power, shift to their assembly point, and do supernatural feats, what they did, what was happening, and a lot of the fear that I found in those books that Carlos Castaneda had been ragging about was that as they were going into their dream time, they were being encountered by these beings they called the Allies. The Allies were like uh, supernatural intelligences who would come and talk to them and engage with them, and they couldn't lie to them, so they would tell them the truth, but they would give them energy, and with that energy you could do supernatural, you could do all kinds of supernatural feats because you had that power they were giving, but at the end of your life they wanted you to go live with them in their place. And it sounded like it was subterranean down in the earth, you know, like, come and live down here with us after you're done there we're going to take you and you can be here and for those that lineage of Toltecs who are able to travel into the you know astral projecting the space and see everything and have all types of uh, shape shift and do all kinds of incredible things that's like going to prison and so Don Juan was teaching to Carlos he'd say I'm a warrior of total freedom and I didn't know what that meant but I just knew that I liked the, the sound of it a warrior of total freedom. I met them, I met Carlos Castaneda's party, I think 1990, and they were talking, and I admired them for their courage, but there was that aspect of fear that they had. And on one level, Don Juan had already left. He'd already uh, raised his frequency, turned into a ball of light, and took off with his companions. They left those guys behind. Now, they were kind of panicking because they didn't have that steady enforcement, that wisdom guiding them. So now they were stepping up and had to be courageous. And when I met them, Carlos was not there, but I met the rest of his party. And they were talking, and and they were talking. And I didn't understand the fear that they had about the, they call them inorganic beings, the inorganic beings, the, the allies, these supernatural intelligences that they were afraid of. And um, not until I read the book, a couple months later, The Art of Dreaming, by Carlos Castaneda, The Art of Dreaming, did I hear the story about the inner gang beings trying to capture them and why they're trying to get free from them. So I had already been touched by a, a spiritual master. I very much uh, feel very much akin to the Lord Jesus. Uh, I like the sacredness of the divine higher intelligence called the ascended masters. And so when I was engaged with these guys, they didn't have that connection. And they didn't have a connection with Quetzalcoatl. Like in Mexico, you got the Tonantzin or the Guadalupe, the sacred mother. They don't have a connection there. So I said, they don't have a connection to the sacred. They are, they are mastering the, like the science of consciousness, but they didn't have a connection to the divine. And their connection to the universe, they call the Parvin tent. But we call that the Father in heaven, the Parvin tent. And, and, he wrote a book called The Fire from Within. He talked about God, and he talked about, they called God the great tyrant. Because, you know, like Old Testament God was like a tyrant, one of the Anunnaki. If you ever look at the Gnostic teachings, the Gnostics, they call him the Demiurge. You ever heard of the Demiurge? Yeah, and thank you for sharing that, because um, that's what I've come to, con in my, my own conclusions through research, is he was a demigod, one of the Anunnaki, and you could hear it very clear, it was very egotistical, you know, um, and I'm a jealous god, I'm a war god, you know, um, rape, and, uh, you know, all that stuff he talks about in the Old Testament, it's like, man, is this a psychopath, dude? Hey, who yeah. is this guy? So these guys, uh, they... They took that teaching of the tyrant who wanted to make you obey at all costs, otherwise I can kill you. They took that, they called the teachings of the petty tyrant. So that was a part of their training. They wanted a tyrant to help them to become super conductive. In other words, if you're re rebelling against somebody who's oppressing you, then the more your ego gets stuck trying to resist, the more they oppress you. It's kind of like people of color getting pulled over by the police. And the police are saying, well, let me see your ID and what's your name. And start, they feel in being interrogated that people of color can be going like, no, I don't need to tell you this. And I don't need to be, uh, you can't put your authority on me. And as soon as they start to resist, it triggers the authoritarian in, in, a, in a policeman and the 
killing people. And so with the Toltec, this this lineage of Toltec, what they were doing is they wanted a tyrant who had power of life and death over them, and they would use it instead of when they try to beat you down, like there's no ego here to beat down. There's nobody here to defend. There's nothing here but me giving thanks to the universe, my connection to the source, or something I believed in that is a higher truth. So that when they try to beat you down, uh, they can't offend, they can't, they can't oppress you because there's no one to be oppressed because you're not identified with who you think you are. It's kind of like the Buddha saying that the ego mind is the illusion. So the more you're attached to your ego and your desires, the more you suffer. So to get past that ego mind, they wanted the petty tyrant teaching to try to oppress them, and then they would hone their skills by being like have a plan B to have it meet this challenge, but they would not resist. They would be like a be like water and move around the rock and not there's nobody there to oppress. So they would send their students to go train under a petty tyrant. Usually, like in Mexico, the story would say that the, the Spaniards were like killing the native people off as slaves, working to death, steal their money. And and uh, Don Juan was sent back to under under uh, the to get a job at this land where the foreman had already tried to shoot him dead. His teacher said, "Okay, we'll send you back there. He won't know it's you, and go in there. And you we'll use him as a training as a petty tyrant." So the petty tyrant is a very powerful teaching. They've got all kinds of really great teaching tools. But when you read those stories, back at that time, the people in those lineages, they were they're very, very awakened. And they would see the energy of somebody who was like, uh, this person could be my student. This person could be take over my lineage and be my passage to the next generation. But they'd find them already as adults already conditioned human beings. So they had to take them in by trickery and break them down, their ego mind down, and begin to show them the path of freedom so that they would choose to embrace that that path. But in the beginning, they were always scared to death of it and didn't want to do it until they realized that, wow, that's freedom. I want to to go that way. So the trick with this lineage, Carlos Casas' lineage, as he tells in the story, they go back. In the past, the people who had that power, and they trained their relatives these methods, sometimes using power plants, the psychedelics to take them out of the rational mind and connect to the spiritual, that sometimes they give that power to people who didn't couldn't handle that power in the right way. And if you couldn't handle that power in the right way and you had an ego attachments and angers and vengefulness, and you're going to war and you're using black magic, it turns into black magic. And then you got spirits coming down to give you power. And you can see this, at least some of these spirits are bad spirits giving you power. So you can see this whole this whole thing like Christ and Satan, this whole deal of good and evil working to influence human beings. So the, the Castaneda lineage, the Don Juan's lineage, they had times where they made those mistakes. They saw what went wrong and look at how people misused the power. We want to steer away from that mistake. And so we want to have a, a male leader, but then the male had his own biases and threw him out of balance. We made a mistake. Well, let's have a female leader. And then the female leader, this is through generations, you know, as generations come, not one time period, over a long, long period of time. Then the female leadership making their mistakes. So then they realize we need to have both a male and female Nawal, a leader, guru, to, to, to balance the male-female perspective. And we, all these mistakes we made, now we want to get totally free because we don't, we don't have no attachments. We don't want, we don't want the inner gang beings, the so-called allies to control us. We want to be totally free warriors and, and, uh, and uh, make our way uh, to, uh, to the higher dimensional consciousness. So they had a teacher called the Death to Fire. Do you ever remember reading about the Death to Fire? That was somebody who was a couple thousand years old. And the death of fire was a couple thousand years old, still living as a physical being. And he would, in the past, he had been captured by the inner gang beings. They took him into that realm where they live. And in order to escape, he shapeshifted into a female because females are more fluid. So he shapeshifted into a female, and then he escaped them. And so now he's free. And every generation, the new leader, the new Nawa, would go and meet him at a appointed place, some chapel in Mexico, where they would meet and then they 
they would give him energy from their from their the gap below their navel. They'd give him energy to sustain his life, and then he would give them teachings. He'd take them take them on journeys out into the alternate reality. He'd take them out and show them and help them to explore them unknown. So every generation they had this benefactor, the, the death of fire. So he takes Carlos. Carlos was like, I'll give you the energy, but I want nothing back. And then next thing you know, uh, Carlos, he wakes up in a little hotel, a little motel somewhere, some little outreach to some little town in Mexico, and goes like, I'm in this familiar hotel. I'm with my female companion, the Nahuatl Carol, and I'm with her, and we're in the bed, and, you know, what are we doing here? And she's talking to him, and she's his story says she's talking to him, but it doesn't seem like it's her because she had a little bit of a stutter, and she's not stuttering. She's talking very uh, eloquently, and we can become afraid. Like I'm, I'm afraid, like something's not right here. What's going on? He got up and looked around the room. And he looked out the window, and all of a sudden he realized he was out in deep space, and the blackness was all around them. And then he, he's scared, and she's laughing at his fear, and and she says to him, he says. You're not Carol. You're you're the you're the death defier. You're the benefactor. He goes, yes, I, that, I am that. And he's scared, and she's laughing. He goes like, she said to him, he he had transformed as a she. He liked being a she better. So now she's taking on a she consciousness. She said to him that all we can do is be here now. I know your fear. I know your fear. I faced that fear many many times. All we can do is love each other and be with this love. And then Carlos goes like, what? Sorcerers are talking about love? And nobody ever talked about love before. And that's the whole teaching that when you're coming from a tradition that, you know, is like a supernatural, a sorcery path, and you're awakened to the mysteries of life and you want to be totally free, it's the part of love that, is the greatest gift. Where I think in their past, I love you, you're my relative, but you know, this is a conditional love and love and hate and that and emotional entanglements, they they moved away from that, became impersonal. So to have love and still be impersonal is the key. And like another one, he shared love and all that, but he had a little from what I could see, he had a little sinister side to him too. He played jokes on him and he, you know, he he was delighted by some of the mishaps of Carlos, but love is like, when I saw that, they don't, it's not about love, and the great teacher, well, my teacher spoke to me in my mind. I was in Hawaii, Maui, and uh, uh, this one fellow, I'd see him around, he was, he was, uh, you know, a nice guy, but this time I'm seeing him, like, he's got a presence about him that is something very high frequency, very smooth, and very compassionate, very loving, very ethereal about him. I said to him, what are you doing? Your energy is so high frequency. And he goes, like, oh, no, it's nothing. He says, I'm doing some really mellow LSD. I said, well, LSD is not mellow for me. LSD is like jet fuel. I take LSD to blow my crown off, and I'm tripping out of my mind and just trying to hold it together until I have a cosmic experience through it. He goes, no, no, this is very mellow. I said, okay, so very nonchalant. He, so he gave me a pit, this little orange barrel sunshine LSD and, and that. And usually half of one of those is all I need, and I'm tripping my brains out. So he gave me one of that, and then he rolled a big joint up, a cigar, and we started smoking it. Handed to me, I'm smoking, and I smoked this whole cigar with him. And I'm thinking to myself, usually two hits of that stuff, and I'm tripping for 12 hours. And I did this LSD, and I smoked the whole joint. I said, wow, that, I'm really feeling mellow. This is really mellow. This is not like me. I'm really feeling mellow. What am I? All of a sudden, my root chakra went zoom, 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 zoom. It jerked about six inches side to side my root chakra. And I said, oh, my God, what did I do? Oh, I did. I smoked all that weed, and I did that LSD. That's going to make that LSD way, way stronger. Because that's what marijuana is like super. Marijuana can be like stronger on can be like ayahuasca for me. It's very strong. So... I said, oh, shit, I got to go. I can't stay and talk. I'm going to go. I have to go inside out and face whatever's coming. So I, I walked away down to where I lived in the dark, walking down to my place. And I prayed, okay, Master, please 
uh, guide me and protect me because I'm going to open up and I need your guidance. Uh, and I prayed to him like that. And then this owl flew over me. So I knew that was my sign that, okay, I have my prayer's been heard. And then I walked down to where I was going to where I lived. I stopped. And I had a very profound vision, very colorful vision. In my vision, I saw my father. I look a lot like my father, something like my father, like this like skin tone, etc. And then his face, his profile morphed into another face, uh, like a Native American Mexican face, morphed into another face. It's like six yards away from me, a big screen, very, very, like a high-definition TV, but even more brilliant than a definition TV. That face morphed into another face, and then morphed into another face. I thought, who, who is that? Is that my father's past lives? Is that my grandfather's? You know, what am I seeing? As the faces were morphing, I said, I want to see who you are. And I, I squeezed my mind to stop that face from morphing. I squeezed my mind on it. As I squeezed my mind, that vision screen, which is about six yards away from me, six yards, no, about, maybe about 10 feet, 10 feet beyond me, uh, all of a sudden, I've now seen it in my mind's eye. So I, even though I was looking through my physical eyes, I saw the vision inside my head, between my ears. And like my hands, I have a diamond over my head like this here. This was a cobalt blue. It's like a diamond framework over my mind of two pyramids base to base, a diamond point up and a point down. So it was over my mind. And as the faces kept changing, I squeezed on it again to stop the face. And then I went inside the diamond. I, went, I was inside this diamond. You can think of an electrical blue, vibrant blue diamond, octa octahedron, two pyramids base to base. I was inside this soul vehicle, the soul vehicle, the, the diamond mind, as the Buddhists call that. So I'm in the diamond mind, and I'm, I'm like 24 years old. I said, Master, Master, what am I looking for? I had been searching obsessively for answers and studying everything I could. What am I looking for? I'm 24 years old. I felt like this diamond mine, I could go anywhere in the universe and anywhere, anything was possible. And I didn't know. I said, I don't know anything. I'm only 24. What am I looking for? And, he, and in his voice, he spoke to me with a very beautiful voice. And he said, Go to that which you love in a pure way, and there you'll find God. And I said, love? You know, like I hadn't, hadn't thought about love. You know, I was like, love? And my mind exploded. <laughs> Went into three parts. My mind exploded into three parts. <laughs> I said, it's love. It's, it's, it's love. It's all it is, is love. Because in that space, it was this cosmic love was coming upon me. So I, I didn't even think twice. I just was excited to come back and tell my girlfriend, like, it's just love. It's just love. So that's, that was uh, in my 20s. That was quite a while ago. So life is just about being able to love because you love somebody, but they can let you down. People can, you know, you know, family members, you know, there can be conflicts. And it's like, then you think of Jesus up there on the cross going, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. So I really love the teachings of Jesus. I don't like the religion. I don't like uh, the dogmas of the religion because, you know, once upon a time, if you didn't believe the world was flat, they'd burn you to the stake. And many great teachers got burned to the stake or had to go underground because they they were uh, a threat to the dogma of the church. That was that petty tyrant coming to the church. Quite a journey of, of consciousness. Yeah, it is. It's fascinating, and thank you. Uh, I just got back from a herd museum in Phoenix, and um, I went there um, over the weekend, and I guess my question is because uh, I cried when I got there and I, and I seen what they did to the native people, um, seen how they cut their hair, they molested them. Um, they stole their, their whole identity and their culture and their language and would punish them if they would practice it. Um, and just reading some of the stories, it made me cry, you know? And, um, so my question to you is like, what's the difference between religion and spirituality? Because, it can be really dark. Religion is a set of rules you got to abide by. And religion is a structure enforced by authorities who are interpreting for you, and you have to conform to the status quo 
of a social construct that uh, you either included in it, and if you don't obey, you're excluded. Whereas spirituality is where is the teachings of Jesus. Jesus said, "Love God with body, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. Do unto others as you want done unto you. As you do to others, you do to me." So, like I was down, uh, you know, I'm up in Arizona and Sedona. I went to see a dentist over in Tijuana, and uh, after going to see him, I thought, I'll just take a little Uber around and and see if I can find any kind of artifacts, of, you know, kind of things I want to buy, uh, some of the street merchants. I said, hey, take me over to where there's any, some Native American market is, some sort. And the guy, the taxi driver goes like, you know, talk him down, don't pay him, and, you know, kind of like treat him like dirt, you know. Like, I go, dude, it's like, I honor Native people. I go, why are you like this? And I want to give them money. I want to help them. And and he, like as a Mexican who was so racist against the Native people, where most Native Mexican people are part Native. And so they've been destroying their own identity. They're not, in their programming, in their programming, they, they don't recognize, you know, there's all this judgment and hatred. And it's really this, it's their own sense of lack of respect for themselves, being projected out on others. So it was like the sacred mother, Tonansin, that appeared as the Virgin Mary, Guadalupe, and brought the Native people into the church and saved the Native American people who had mixed with the Spaniards. And you have the modern Mexican people, mestizo Mexican people. And so it's the European bloodline that is the dominant uh, class of Mexico. And the Indian people at the very bottom. But as Native people are awakening and coming back into their self, back into remembering who we are, it's like then we're starting to identify with not being European, Spanish-speaking, uh, Hispanic people. Now we're like, hey, we're indigenous people of the Americas. And our souls are, are Native American, not just Spanish. You know, and the sacred people, whether you're looking at the, the Jesus and the Mary, Virgin Mary, Christianity or Tonantzin and Quetzalcoatl or, or like uh, Kuan Yin and uh, Buddha and uh, the goddesses and gods of the India. It's all of a sudden there's a whole pantheon of characters who are who have been with humanity. And so for me, it was like having my UFO encounter. I realized that those people that were contacting me, I, I believe they're some of the ancient goddesses from the Anunnaki lineage. And I think that they may be connected to the Pleiades and that there have been different human beings, extraterrestrial gods that had different agendas, and some of them are more enlightened and some of them are more conditioned. It's kind of like through the lineage of the Jewish tradition, Jesus was prophesied to be born as a Messiah through that lineage. So it may be that he comes through them, but he's a conduit for the great spirit above them. And the great spirit is above all those sentient beings that they are given free will to do their thing. And I believe that after a while, they got to realize that why are we fighting over this when we can go back up to the higher dimension? It's way more better in the higher dimension. So I think maybe they, I believe they've gone back up, but, you know, it remains to be seen because people think, well, they're going to return. Well, I think that the, the, that is a prophecy return of the golden age. And so we're living back in harmony with the, those, they, 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 some of them really love us and care for us. Because the ones that communicate with me, they love us and care for us, but they're also kind of strict in that they want us to be responsible for what we're doing. That they can't do it for us. And we have to make choices and master our minds, awaken to the power of love, and create a, a new world consciousness. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I, I know it's coming down to an end, but uh, do you believe we're having a collective awakening? And uh, how do we find you with the Mystic Tours? Yeah, we, we've been having a collective awakening since the 60s. Uh, you talked about Edgar Casey earlier. Edgar Casey, he prophesied, because he's from last century, the last, uh, first half of last century, he prophesied that there was not a spiritual awakening between 1950 and 1998. By the year 2000, we could have an Earth axis shift, a, get a great cataclysm, California under the ocean, and the great changes and then after this cataclysm, the new millennium would begin because we had moved on to the higher dimension and moved into the heaven realm on earth. He predicted that we'd have a cataclysm unless there was an awakening. 
And if you looked at Dolores Cannon's work in hypnosis in the 80s, she hypnotized many people that were more sensitive than previous peoples. And the story came through them from the oversoul that uh, many, many people volunteered to bring in uh, love at higher frequency to help us shift the world consciousness. And that happened, they came of age in the 60s. And that love and peace movement changed the world. And many of those people were damaged by being overly sensitive to the harsh times and overdosed on drugs or commit suicide to get out. Or some of them have become very reclusive because they're too sensitive. So many of us are here to serve this awakening, which is about love. You see, a lot of people are fighting with the, the deep state and the Trumpian thing, and everybody's fighting, and who's right, who's wrong. And that's a, a game for fools. Because if you're a spiritual warrior, it's about fighting for the light within you, to conquer your own hatred, your own shadow, your own fear, and come into your power of divine trust and emanate your love and your light and do the best you can to be of service. And if people are doing that, no matter what side you choose, right or left, we got to walk in the middle of that and not be extreme. And peace, transformation through peace. Uh, hate can't conquer ignorance and hate, only love can conquer it. So we have to come to that middle point, no matter what you believe, because people are invested in either side, and I think it's foolish, but holding a power of uh, uh, prayerful intent that you are, you know, that you're walking in balance with it. A lot of religious people have become extreme right wing. They want a dictator to give them their church and state mixture uh, uh, they want that, and it's like, that's not, that's why we have a separation between church and state. We don't want the religious people, blitzes to self-righteousness to take over, because in all of our wars, it's been religion has been in there, you know. So we got to get past religion and go to spirituality. And spirituality says, are we in balance with our relations? Are we in balance with, how do we find balance? Jesus says, help the poor, help the unfortunate, help and so you have people that want to do uh, outlaw birth control, but then the women that have babies, they don't want to give any support for the children and for the families. And then somehow it's got to be if you're getting welfare because you have children, the husband or the father can't live with you. And then it's kind of throw. Our government's got some backwards ideas, you know, on both sides. There's some backwards ideas that uh, it's going to take somebody who's strong to want to come in there and, hold the light and, and, and in spite of the shadow that will try to take them down. So new leaders need to emerge. And, you know, right now we're having extremes with volcanoes going off. We're having these uh, extreme weather patterns and fires with droughts and flooding and uh, the uh, earthquake possibilities. It's like the Christian prophecy. Uh, wars and rumors of wars, earthquake in diverse places, volcanoes, tidal waves, earthquakes like that. All that's increasing, and that's the mother saying, time to wake up, time to wake up, because we're getting, pushing us out of our comfort zone. Like, oh, you can't just be in your comfort zone because shit can hit the fan. So are you ready to awaken spiritually? And if you're not, then you're in fear and clinging to your security in the material world, but that may not last, security in the material world. Only security we really have is knowing that we connect to eternity, that this body may die, but I'm going back into the heaven realm. And many, many people will say that I, I died when I went over. It was so beautiful. I was clean and clean and afraid to die. It's so beautiful. I didn't want to come back. But they made me come back because it wasn't not my time yet. So they gave me a life review. In the life review, I saw everything bad that I did hurt others and hurt myself. I, the things I may have said, did, or thought. And I saw how bad I was like that. And I said, yeah, I was terrible, wasn't I? And people say to them, yeah, you were real bad, but look at all the good you did. You did way more good. So now you know the truth. Now go back to your life and get your life right. So that's all we have to do is balance our scale, bring more positivity, love, and forgiveness. Ho'oponopono is a Hawaiian term. Taking total responsibility to make things right. Kind of like Jesus' prayer, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And through love and forgiveness, we can set ourselves free from trapped on the wheel of reincarnation in the lower world of the 3D and return back into uh, heaven on earth consciousness. So that's coming. In our lifetime, it's coming. And so we just have to not lose faith, 
cultivate our, 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 our connection to the universe, stop this chatter of the mind, recharge our energy body, open up our dreaming through our prayers, and bring down our connection to the divine. We do that, and then we may see miraculous things happen. And if not, we die, we go to heaven. So it's a win-win proposition versus people panicking about the end is coming because uh, climate change is coming and, you know, a war and food shortages and prices rising and the economy and all this stressful stuff. It's like, I mean, just connect with source and like, whatever passes it, it's going to be what it is. But help us have the strength to get through this time without being damaged by it. Thank you. And how do we find you? Oh, hey, I'm in Sedona. My webpage, www.rahelio.com. I spell my name uniquely because the English name is Roger. The Spanish name is Rogelio. I didn't like either name. So I took the Ra from Roger and the Helio from Rogelio and I put Rahelio. Ra being the sun god and Helio being the sun's radiance. Because when I was a teenager, one of my mystical experiences, a golden sun came to me and he was, he shared many beautiful vibrations with me. He spoke to me, but I don't know what he said because it was a foreign language, but it was pure bliss. And I just, that sun, that I've always identified with the sun, Rahelio. Rahelio.com. You can text me or call me. I don't always answer my emails. That's my slowest way because I get bombarded with emails, with junk mail, etc. But find my webpage. I've got some interviews on there like this one here. And, and uh, you know, text me if I don't, give me a call if I don't answer back in time. Like people will write me an email the night before we're supposed to meet. They want to see me, but I don't see that email for three days. And then, oh, they missed me. So just give me a call. And if I can answer, I will. If I can't, leave a message. I appreciate it. And thank you for coming on. Hey, thank you for your Come to Sedona sometime. We'll get together. Yeah, I will. Thank you. I appreciate it. Take care. Okay. Take care. God bless. God bless.